Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, I was going to say you can be seated out of habit, and you guys already are. So you are right where you're supposed to be. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Just to echo Jeep sentiments, we are really glad that you're uh, here with us this morning. Uh, we are continuing a message series called The Chance of a Lifetime. And this is actually looking at probably what is considered the greatest sermon in history that was given by Jesus himself. And it's found in the New Testament uh, in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 5 and 6. And it really is a time where he had a group of followers called the disciples that were 12 men. And he called them to follow him. And they decided to leave their work, their, their focuses of their life, and followed him. And what he began to do is through his example and through his words, he wanted to explain what it meant to actually be somebody who follows the life of Christ. And they were doing that literally, uh, but he wanted them to actually have a bigger picture of what, what's life like, not only as someone who follows me, but what's life like actually to be a part of God's kingdom that I have brought here on earth. And so he wanted to kind of, Jesus cut through some of the misconceptions people had about what it meant to be a part of God's kingdom, what God's kingdom represented. And he really wanted them to have this idea of here is what you're going to give your life to. Now, the good news is, is that this wasn't a private conversation. This actually happened with a multitude of people listening in. And it's kind of crazy to think that he's talking to this specific group that have decided to follow him. And he explains to the whole crowd of actually what that means. And so we have the privilege of finding this in the Bible to learn a lot about what it means to follow Jesus. So if you've been investigating what it means to be a Christian or you're somebody that's a recent Christ follower, uh, this message series is really designed to give you a, a sense of this is what it means to follow after Jesus. And if you've been a Christ follower for a long time and maybe you committed your life to Christ when you were young or a few years ago, uh, this is really a, a, a sense to get back to what are the essentials that Jesus calls us to. And so we hope this is helpful for uh, all the different kinds of people that are represented uh, in this room. I wanted just to catch up where we've been uh, just in case you missed last week. But last week we talked about uh, the kingdom that Jesus is describing. And specifically we talked about this idea of peace and how people, as they're wanting to figure out what to give their lives to, there's always a question that we ask. And that's, will I experience peace? I, I, I want to actually do something with my life. I do want to make a difference. But at the same time, I don't want it to be this chaotic mess that amounts to nothing. I actually do want peace to exist. And uh, Jesus came to describe how you find peace. And not only does he command us to be peacemakers, but he also describes the fact that following him and making Jesus the boss of your life allows you to actually have peace with God. He has come so we can have peace with God himself. And he does that through the forgiveness of our sins, that even though we have blown it, we can have peace as we go Jesus' way, as we follow after him. And so we talked about the difference that being a peacemaker looks like in relationships and the priorities that comes from that. And today, we're talking about how do we actually make an impact uh, in this world. Uh, if you follow Christ, uh, it will cost you really your life. It will cost you your priorities. It's going to cost you goals. It's going to cost you financially. And so there's this great cost that comes with following Jesus. And Jesus was very clear on that. But at the same time, he also, especially to his early followers, and what you find again and again in Scripture, he also paints the picture of this is actually the impact that you can have 
So it's not just this is all it's going to cost you, but you also get this glimpse of there's something greater that you can be a part of that's actually going to make a difference in the world. And so that's the context to which he's speaking to his group of followers and the context of the scriptures that we're going to be talking about today. But really, the question that Jesus is asking and he's describing to his early followers is is this. How is my kingdom going to spread throughout the entire world? How is this thing that I'm describing to you as my 12 followers, how is this thing going to spread to the ends of the earth so people throughout the world who are never going to have the chance to actually see me, how will they follow me? Not just in the here and now, but how will they follow me in the future and how will they follow me in the generations to come? And so it was a, it's a great question. Jesus is asking, how is this thing going to spread? And I'm sure the disciples were asking that themselves. Could you imagine, just picture yourself, you are in the 12 and you've decided to follow Jesus and you look around and Jesus is wondering, well, how, how is this kingdom going to affect the world? And if you're looking at that group, you're thinking, I don't know, but it should be interesting because there's only 12 of us. There's probably a lot of fear that was involved. What is this going to take? How is this going to work? They were all from different types of work, from different backgrounds, and I'm sure they had no idea of how their lives would be used to spread the kingdom. But Jesus was asking that question, how is this thing going to spread? And it was really a rhetorical kind of question that he was asking. It really comes out in what he commanded his followers to do, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But really, that question is something that you find in today's world. It's really a, how, how does something grow? How does something impact culture? How does something make a difference in the lives of people? Now, as we in America, we have lots of different companies that are wanting to know how they're going to grow. And they grow as we open our pocketbooks and we give to them. And there's this idea of going viral. Everyone wants to go viral. If you go viral, it's kind of this little thing that happens that spreads like a wildfire that just expands your product. Just to give you a context of companies that are interested in this spreading as well, Walmart last year spent $690 million on marketing. Marketing, which demands, which begs the question, we need to grow. And to grow, we're going to spend millions and millions of dollars to ensure that that happens. And so you see that in their different ad campaigns and their commercials and their, the way that they design their stores. Uh, Ford, same thing. How do we expand? How do we grow? Last year they spent $857 million on marketing. Geico, not Gecko, Geico. Last year they spent $921 million on marketing. And that makes sense, right? Because every time you turn on the TV, you see that little Gecko. He's everywhere. The reason the companies are doing this is they, they want to ensure that their product will grow, their influence will expand, and ultimately that they'll, they'll make money. I want to show you a commercial that kind of shows how they get to us as consumers. They want to show how something's useful. Now, this is kind of fun. Uh, there's a man in our Diamond Bar campus that he's an actor, and this commercial is actually starring him. And so this is to illustrate, but also just to show that one of our church members is famous. He's actually not, but he is in a commercial. Let's watch that. With millions of businesses all in one place, the YP app can help you do pretty much anything, unless you wanted to go to the moon. 
YP couldn't help you do that. Or could it? You'll need a space helmet. YP can do that. You'll need parts. YP has the highest rated hardware stores. You'll need a solid background in aeronautical engineering. You'll need power tools. YP's great for that. YP even has a cheap gas finder, which is perfect for longer trips. The even more powerful, find, organize, and share your favorite businesses so much more than a search engine yellow pages. YP can do that. YP, you can do that. You just have to download the app, and by the amount of downloads we get, that strengthens our numbers, which helps our revenue, which allows us to make more commercials like this. You see this again and again. This is how businesses expand. And it's good. They're thinking through how, how do we grow? How do we get our label out there? Now, Jesus' strategy is very different. Because back then, they didn't actually have iPhones. So you couldn't download the Follow Jesus app. It didn't exist, and I'm sure it does now. But he didn't have this social media, this special branding. But he still is asking the same question. How, how does this kingdom, which doesn't represent a product, which actually represents following God himself. How, how does this thing spread? And so as the disciples were probably looking at each other, wondering, well, I don't know. you know, so far, you know, you're doing some miracles and people are really interested in finding out what you're all about. And there's these crowds that are following us everywhere. And so it seems like it's working, but I'm sure they had no idea of really his plan, his agenda of how this thing was going to grow, this Christianity. And then in this sermon, he explains it. And as he explains his strategy, we learn the same truth today. And, and this is it. Christ's followers are Jesus' plan for spreading his kingdom. Anyone who's committed their life to Christ has really made a commitment to spread this kingdom for which Jesus represents. We're his plan for the growth of the kingdom. And so he describes how that will happen. And if you, you have your, your program uh, inside as a listening outline, you can follow along. Uh, there's pens on the side of you if, if you need one. But I just want to walk through how this plan looks in real life. What does that look like for us today? And so it starts really... By him creating an analogy of what this looks like. And you see that in Matthew 5, 3. He changes his followers into salt and light. That's how the world will be impacted for the kingdom. He changes his followers into salt and light. And this is what he says in Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown at, out and trampled under people's feet. And he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. 
You don't try to cover that up. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. So the, the line is drawn. Following Jesus is a commitment to being the salt and light of the world. Now, those analogies lose a little bit, especially the salt analogy, lose a little bit in today's world because salt we kind of use to throw on some food if it's bland. But back in the day, salt was crucial for really so many more things. And it still is crucial today, but salt is like hidden in other ingredients that you can't pronounce on the back of your labels. Okay, but this is salt. Uh, it makes people thirsty. Uh, it spices things up, makes them taste better, and, and it's also a, a preservative. The more salt, the more things are preserved. They last longer. And so what Jesus is saying is, you're a follower. You, you should live a life that gives people this thirst to learn the truth about who I am. Your life, the way you live, the example you set, the attitude you have, the speech you use, the actions you make, they should give people the sense of, there's something different. They should thirst for this. You are the salt. You, you, in the way you talk to people, it should add this spice to a conversation where they, they see there's a, there's a difference there. There's a joy there. There's something. There's a hope. There's this peace. There's this something that, that I'm longing for that it seems like you have. That's, that's how you're salt. Christ followers should also live in a way of salt that, that they slow down the decay in culture. They preserve what's right. What's good? That's what it means to be salt. And just like salt can make food taste better, there's a sense in which as you are the salt of the world, you're showing that following Jesus makes life better. It makes more sense. That's what's packed in this idea of you, you are the salt. And Jesus goes on to explain that if the salt loses its saltiness, what... What's it good for? It no longer helps for the very reason it was made. And so Jesus is saying, this is your calling. This is who you've decided to follow. And because of that, this is the life that you're going to live. And then he, he uses another analogy, just so people can really get it. Not just the salt of the earth, but you're the light of the world. Now light, that may be a little bit easier to get our minds around. But the, the light, it illuminates. It draws people towards something like searchlights that draw people to an event. You see the lights, you know, okay, that, that's where I need to head. That's where I need to go. It paves the way. Darkness is gone. Light is there. And so to be light is, is really, as a Christ follower, you, you live your life in a way that draws people to see the truth about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? It, it brings a, a, this, this edge of there's clarity. There's clarity of what following Jesus looks like in relationships. The light is drawn into that. There's clarity. It shows what a Christ follower looks like at the workplace. It brings light to that. So in every sense, there's a, this, the difference Jesus makes in every facet of life, whether being a student, whether being a parent, whether being a spouse, whether being a friend, it brings light. It cuts through some of the confusion. Things are clear. There's a sense in which the light goes to the darkness and allows people to see things clearly that they've never seen before. 
So back to this time in which Jesus was saying to this group of 12 who were, I'm sure, overwhelmed by the task at hand just to follow Jesus day to day and the pace he set in helping people, the pace he set in listening to people and healing. <laughs> and they were just following him around everywhere. And I'm sure they were worn out and I'm sure that they were tired. And they're thinking, man, if we just can survive this just crazy journey we're on, we're going to make it. And he goes on to say, no, this is the kind of life that you're supposed to live. Salt and light. And today, the Christ followers that have decided that Jesus is the boss, it's the same for us. And Jesus says, you are the salt. You are the light. It's not really a choice that you make. It's more of an identity that you have. And it represents, really, what Jesus does on the inside. And the change he brings from the inside out. I don't know about you, but that, that's a comfort that I can experience. Because there's a tremendous amount of pressure when you hear this, like, well, I, I've just got to be a better person. I've just got to say the right things at the right times to the right people. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of fear and anxiety that comes. But he's really talking about, again, the difference that Jesus makes as you follow him. This happens on the inside, and it comes out of you. And it's, it's real. It's not manufactured. It represents a life surrendered to the living God. And your attitudes change. Your priorities change. This happens as you do life God's way. So here, Jesus, you, you are my plan. You who follow me, you are my plan. So the rest of the world will know that I am real. Because of that, being salt and light is a high priority for those who follow Christ. It, it has to be. Because it represents our identity. It represents the difference Jesus makes. In verse 16, you see this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The light is seen in the good that you do. Not for self-righteousness so everyone can say, wow, you really are a good person. You're really a helpful person. But there's a sense in which people see it and they don't want to pat you on the back. They see that, wow, you're different. And I may not have thought God is real, but because of your life, I'm actually considering that, that He is. I'm actually considering that He's something that's real because it has changed you. And that's the difference between just a morality that doesn't have God and a life that's surrendered to Him. It doesn't draw attention to you as the person. It draws attention to God Himself. And that's the goal of the Christ follower. It's not me as salt. It's not me as light. But it's what God has done within me. And this salt and light comes out in, in many different ways. And in Matthew 5, as he was describing the different attitudes you should have, this is how you're salt and light. You clear up relationships when they, they get messed up. You don't allow conflict to grow bitter seeds in your heart that cause you to lash out at people. Salt and light means that I'm actually going to serve people and it's going to cost me my time. Salt and light means that God... 
has access to my resources because everything flows from his hand. And so I may have to sacrifice the things that he's given me to advance this kingdom which he wants to grow through me. That's what it means to be salt and light. Being salt and light means that I actually have to be careful about the tone I have with those close to me. Do my words help them? I actually have to be careful about the attitude I have towards people. Did that scare you? That kind of scared me. I jumped a little bit. Being salt and light, I, I actually have to be careful. Everything counts. And salt and light also means that I blow it. I'm not perfect. I mess up a lot. And I admit that. I confess that to God and I make it right with the people that my sin has damaged or offended. This is the way of those who are of the salt and of the light. This is the Jesus way. It makes a difference in in every aspect of our life. Jesus isn't just a slice, a compartment that's bigger or smaller based on our priorities. But he's the core. He has access to every part of our life. This is what Jesus is describing to the disciples. He's giving them a vision far greater than they had for themselves. And that vision is the same for us today. If we let Jesus really rule in our hearts and in our minds and through our life, his light will shine. This is why he says, let your light shine before others. God works within us and his light shines through us. That's what Jesus is promising. He works within and his light shines out. It's not me, but what he wants to do. And the fact of the matter is, the reason... He's commanded us to be salt and light because it's actually what we all long for. We all long to be able to see things clearly. We all long to kind of know the direction we should go. We don't really want to live in the darkness, bumping our heads and our lives around the things that don't help us. We also don't want to live a stale life where there's no purpose. We also don't want to give ourselves to something that decays and breaks down. That's what's so frustrating about life. The older you get, the more you decay, the more you break down. But what Jesus is saying is your physical body isn't the hope that you have, your fitness, your health. It's actually greater than that. You can give yourself to a kingdom that doesn't decay, that doesn't break down, that cannot be destroyed. It outlasts the earth right now, and it continues on to eternity. You have an opportunity to be a part of this. So this is what he's telling his disciples. This is what it means to follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't open the newspaper and on the front page read in the L.A. Times, Christians make a difference. You guys seen any headlines like that? No, in, in fact, there's a sentiment in our culture where people think, at best, Christianity is, is a waste of time. It's a filler. It's a crutch. And at worst, it makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. And this has been true throughout time. There's a sense of, 
Why follow a God you cannot see? Why follow? Tom Petty recently uh, wrote an article about his frustration with the things that have been done in the name of the church and in the name of Christ. And he made a statement that is very interesting because it kind of goes against what Jesus is saying. He says, no, one, no one's got Christ more wrong than the Christians. That's a very interesting statement, which I think represents a lot of the things that people wrestle with. Why do I want to be a Christ follower when I know Christ followers and I don't want to be them? And the church, it seems like, is always just one step from somebody having an excuse, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. And it's true. Sometimes Christians can get in the very way of what Christ wants to do in the lives of people. But at the same time, what Jesus is saying is, Christians, get out of the way. I'll work. I'll do this. I've got this. I'll take care of this. I have the power. Just get out of the way. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus says, I'm going to use you. You're my plan. And you don't have it more wrong. You just have to let the light shine and the salt permeate. It has to be real. It has to be real. That's what Tom Petty's really talking about. This sense of it's not real. What Jesus is talking about is very real. It's a relationship with him. Not based on religion or good works, but based on following after Jesus himself. But this feels like pressure. Jesus, I, I can't be salt. I can't be light. Do you know the people I relate to? Do you know where I work? Do you know the stress that I have? Do you know the amount of debt I have? Do you know the amount of time I'm spending just trying to make my head above water? Salt and light. I can't think about that. I'm sure that's what the disciples were thinking. I'm sure the crowd that were hearing it were thinking the same thing. It's the same thing we're thinking today. There's so much fear. There's failure. We blow it. I'm not salt. I'm not light. I'm barely making it. What Jesus is saying is, even your weaknesses, even your failures, He will use. So you can be the salt and light of the earth. Even the things that you wish you had tighter together in your life, He will use. Because what the reality of this is, on a real level, is the way we handle our stress, the way we handle our past, the things that we've done, that we really regret. The way we handle our fears, the things that we just are facing and we are just stricken with fear. These are the things that we want to keep within, right? We want to just, we want to keep them within ourselves. What Jesus is talking about is actually as you allow people to see what God's doing as you face your stress and as you face your fears and even as you face your failures, this is the very thing that preserves There's a tastiness to it. They experience the salt. God is real. So even as we face the things that we're so concerned about and the things that weigh us, it's right there where God wants to work. The pressure you're experiencing, 
God wants, God wants to enter in. You guys aren't going to be able to sleep today. We're ensuring that. I have a guy back there. I tap my foot twice every time he makes that happen. Okay? Wrong foot. I have to do left foot. Good catch. But, but, but it's true. The things that we experience the pressure in, that we think there's no way salt and light can exist, that's the very area God wants to work. So that's the good news. If you feel under it, God wants to help you with that. If you feel overwhelmed, God wants to help you with that. Again, the difference is not what you're doing outwardly, but it's what God is doing inwardly. That's the difference. The change comes from within so His light can shine without. So I want to encourage you, even as you're overwhelmed and things that you're facing, and you're not sure how this light will shine. And you may not even be sure... Do I really want to follow Jesus? And you've been trying to contemplate that. And you think, I don't know if I can bring him into this area. Because you may not want to change. Or I don't know if I can bring him into this area because he's not going to understand all that I've had to deal with. I can't bring him in this area because I'm, I'm not good enough. We all have just these different emotions and these different tendencies. These different walls that we put up. And Jesus is saying is, allow me to work within you to change your life. And you will be the salt and light of the world. It's basically an offer. Do life my way and see if this will happen. Because this is what you will become. This is your identity. So it's actually a challenge and a comfort at the same time. Now, if you're like me, sometimes personal examples or testimonies are helpful. So what we did is at our both campuses, we asked a question which is, we're going to be talking about salt and light. And before you were a Christian, we asked some people, before they were a Christian, what did they see in the lives of Christians around them that drew them to Christ? So how did they see people as light and salt? What was the difference that, that they actually saw? And, and I, we actually got responses, which I, I knew we would. But isn't that so much better than an email back that says nothing? No one's got it more wrong than the Christians. Tom. Right? No, th- these are real testimonies of real people within our church. And I just want to share those with you. So how did the way Christians live and relate draw you to Christ? Uh, Brianna Elliott shared this. The way that Christians live an open and honest life, believe in clearing relationships and asking, giving forgiveness was very refreshing and comforting when I was exploring Christianity. Uh, Greg Fuller It really struck me how much more gracious in speech Christians were and how much relationships benefited from from that verbal kindness. Hovi Yu, I noticed many Christians living for a greater purpose than their own comfort or happiness. Tom Young, what really drew me to Christ was when I saw the members of CIV putting God's will before their own personal interests. I witnessed this attitude expressed time and time again by members giving of themselves to help others. And I felt a genuine sense of community that I've never found elsewhere. Eric Siri, seeing Christians live with such a purpose and in such close relationship showed me that Christ was powerfully at work within their lives. This was something that was really attractive to me and drew me in. And last, Brenda Palmer, I never felt judged. And so it made it easier and easier to open up and share where I was. Because even after I did, as scary as that was, I still 
never felt judged. That's the difference Jesus makes. People that decide to follow Him, give Him access to every part of their life, and all those people there and many others have experienced the difference that He makes. That's so encouraging. Because when it comes down to it, we all want to know, is this real? If this is going to cost me my life, is this real? When you see it in the lives of people, the answer is yes. It's real because of what I see. And it's real because of what Jesus has done. And that's His plan for spreading the kingdom. I want to close. So far we've been talking about how you're salt and light. And I want to talk a little bit about who. Who are you the salt and light to? And so if you open your program, you're going to see a half sheet in there with making an impact grids on there. And this is just kind of an exercise to help you think in terms of the world in which you live. Your, Your own world with your own people that you interact with. And there's three quadrants. Uh, There's my family and friends, there's my workplace, and there's my neighborhood. Now, what's in the center of all of them? Anybody? Me. Now, that's where it gets scary. Because that's you. And that's me. Me is me. I'm not where you are, and you're not where I am. You were given into a specific family. A specific job, you live in a specific place. So you are where you are. And you have an opportunity to be salt and light to people all around you. So what you can do on your own time is think through, here is where you are. And we know your life isn't like a box, a grid, and people are in this little... We're not saying that they're like just names on a piece of paper, but it's an exercise to show you this is the world in which you live and how can you make an impact. So think through your family and friends. Who are the people in your life, your family and friends, who they're they're not followers of Christ? Who are you relating to on a regular basis that you can be salt and light to? Maybe who's somebody that you haven't contacted in a long time that you could be salt and light to? And it's not just picking up a cell phone or sending a text like, hey, I want to be a light to you today. Right? That doesn't necessarily make sense. But it's really like, how can you serve them? And then the same in your neighborhood, the same in your workplace. What are the things that you can do in the way that you treat people, in the way that you help people, in the way that you serve people, in the way that you share about what you're giving your life to? As you share what you did at church on Sunday, as you share what God's doing in your life, how He's helping you with some things that you're facing, all these are opportunities to be salt and to be light. And so I want to encourage you, take that this week and think through who are those people that your life is surrounded by, that are longing 
for something that can preserve and add flavor to their life, who are longing for a light in their dark place. I don't know who they are in your life. But imagine the difference that he could make in our community, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our church, if each of us decided, God, I want to be your salt and I want to be your light in the place that you put me. Can you imagine the difference that that makes? How many more testimonies like this of people saying, this Jesus thing is real. I haven't been paid to say that. No one was paid. I should have added that as a disclaimer. No one was paid for that testimonial that you've just seen. But it's real. Imagine the difference and how many more people would have that experience as God works within and His light shines without. So I just want to encourage you, think through that. There's a couple next steps too, and I'm just going to walk briefly through those as the band comes up. They're going to lead us in some singing and we're going to be receiving our offering. Um, I've already given you the third next step. We want to help you learn how to leave here and, and apply what you've learned into your own life practically. And so the third step, I'll start from the bottom to the top, is fill that out, that, that graph that I just went over. How you can make an impact. F- fill that out and just start looking at the people that God's put in your life. Uh, the second one, pray every day to make me a salt and light. Just ask God for help. God, I'm going to work tomorrow and it's Monday. And we have a lot going on at work, and I've got a lot of stress on my plate, and I know all my coworkers do too. But God, in the midst of the stress, and in the midst of all the things that we're focused on ourselves, help me to be a salt and light. When you wake up in the morning, and you interact with your kids, that even applies to them. They need to know Jesus is real. How can you be a salt and light to them? And with your neighbors, just pray, God, help me to be a salt and light. Help me to show some simple way that they can see that Jesus is real in my life. And then the first next step is just memorize Matthew 5.16. I know for me, when I'm embarking on a new challenge, memorizing Scripture is what guides me through that. That is the light itself, the Scriptures. And so memorize that, and that that will help you this week. Let's pray together, then we're going to continue singing back to God. God, I, I know for myself... It's overwhelming to think that we're part of pushing the kingdom forward. And while that's true, we also need you. Uh, You are our power and you are our guide. And because of you, we can make a difference. Uh, There's nothing good in me uh, outside of you. And we need your help to make an impact that's far greater than we can do uh, without you. And so we, we look to you as our hope to actually living a different life and you are the reason that we can change and that it can last. And so God, help us to draw close to you. And as we draw close to you, God, thank you for the change that you do that people can actually see. And so we ask that you'll continue to speak to our hearts no matter where we are. God, if there's any barrier that's preventing us from deciding to follow you, will you allow us to see it? And over time, may we trust you and actually make the decision to follow you with every aspect of our life. And so we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.